How's it, guys? Thanks for joining me, Nick, and my buddy, Ronnie. Bit of a bleak weekend after that bot glass, hey? Throws the whole weekend off kilter. Uh, yes and no. I think I was very, very depressed after the Springbok game. It was very enjoyable. And then when I noticed that uh, the All Blacks also lost to Argentina, I just felt that, you know, they fell a little bit harder than us. And a little bit of sweet, sweet... Uh, so I don't know the word vengeance, right? But uh, I felt a little bit better after that, that it wasn't just the Springboks that were down. Yeah, that's definitely something that helped take the bit of the the pain or the sting out of it all. But yeah, not a lack of way. I mean, walking around the shops on Saturday, you didn't see many guys wearing their Springbok jersey. I think, you know, a lot of guys cancelled their bras. It wasn't wasn't a lack of way to spend a weekend starting off, you know, having to drink a beer by nine o'clock. Look, I made breakfast in the last, well, after the 80th minute, and I thought, yeah, I'm not even going to go watch this uh, this bloody New Zealand because I know exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, I was so confident. I was I was just waiting for the game to actually get the result that I expected so that I could say to you, ah, bloody well told you so. There was no way Argentina was going to go there and win, uh, but they did. Um, and I actually then saw the the end of that game when I was at the golf course. Uh, the moment I rocked up there, I just said, why is no one playing golf? Why is no one on the tee boxes? Everyone's standing in the clubhouse watching what was going down there. And it was unbelievable, right? So at that moment, I suddenly felt a lot better. And my golf game did not uh, did not agree with me. Yeah, well, we might as well dive right into it then. Hey, box going down to the Wallabies 25-17. It really, really was a horror show. Flat from the second the game started the spring. I mean... They scored a try early, and it was just one-way traffic for most of the game. Do you think that we played badly? Do you think that we played poorly, or is it a case of they just had our number? They did to us what we did to the All Blacks in in, in Bobella. Yeah, they had our number. They were on top of our back. They were running ridiculous lines through our back line. And when you're missing first-time tackles, you know, you're never, ever going to, to get that go forward. Another thing, when you have a yellow card advantage, you've got the numbers advantage, don't wind down the clock for the opposite team by scrumming for nine of the 10 minutes that players off the field and getting zero points in return for it. That was very, very wasteful and very poor leadership by the box this weekend. I think we'll get to that in a moment, but uh, we might as well jump right into it. I just felt that our game was so predictable and it's, it's you said scrumming and scrumming and we scrum some more when we should have, uh, we should have had some sort of uh, X factor and been a little bit more un- exciting and, and unpredictable. We just were so predictable the opposition knew what we were doing our players you know they before anything even happened they knew what was going to happen in the next 30 seconds we were just going to kick it downfield or we were going to scrum or we were going to go for the line out but there was just no variation no uncertainty no i don't know what's the word oomph yeah i think that sums it up quite well there was no oomph a lot has been said about Paul Williams and his effect on the game this weekend that he was a poor ref but i i saw an interesting comment from Ben Smith which i think should actually shut a lot of South African supporters up. The box had a, a nine penalties awarded against them. The Wallabies had 16 penalties given against them. And two yeah. yellow cards to our one yellow card. Can you really say the refs yeah. against you in that game with stats like that? I don't know. So no, you can't say it. Look, there's an argument though for for it though. Those nine penalties that you know they were just so poor that they just dampened the spirits. They just dampened the mood of the Springboks. They just it, it affected our ment- our mental game that much that we just couldn't uh, recover from that. But I, I agree. I don't think I don't think the ref actually was to blame for that game. I think New Zealand. New Zealand. I think uh, I, I thought the Wallabies played exceptionally well. They had our number. They they rushed us. You know, they they knew exactly what we were going to do because they did their planning in the weeks uh, 
preceding the game. So I just think it was an exceptional performance by Australia. And, and you know, did, should we have expected anything else? Because we've had such a poor record there since 2013. I think uh, I think we should have we should have gone in as the underdogs and we went in very very confident borderline arrogant. Yeah, I think we went in there a little bit overconfident. I mean, I spoke up quite heavily last week about the box selections. I think it came to fruition. We just didn't fire. The bench came on. We looked for an insertion from them. It didn't lift the team up, and we did this to ourselves in many many aspects. You look at Andre Pollard. He'd kicked ten out of ten before this fixture. Then he missed three. You know, so it was a very off performance by the box. Well, we'll circle back to this, I'm sure, when we talk about the, the upcoming 23 for the weekend. But yeah, you're right. When Pollard just has an off day, it seems like the whole team just kind of melts away. Yeah, it really was. And I mean, you mentioned it earlier as well, the predictability of our game. Our backline was running no dummy lines, no switches. It was just one-way traffic run at them. And how about that tackle by Marika Korobeti on Mapimpi? That was unreal. Eh? So was... you you agree it's you agree it's a tackle. Yeah, there was an arm in that. A little bit of a challenge in the air, maybe you could look at, but he put an arm there. He hit Mapimpi with an arm, but he hit him like a cannonball. Oh, I think this goes back to what Johnny May did. Was it last year? Uh, or I believe it was it earlier this year where he also we scored a try by sort of jumping into the tackle and, and there was some controversy around that one. But I, I definitely think Mapimpi made it a lot worse by diving, jumping into the tackle and uh, Marika Korobeti obviously just following through and, and sort of taking out the legs, right? So he was taken in the air, but I mean, it's, it's one of those sort of gray areas where you can't take a player in the air. But but look, I think I, I do agree. There was there was an attempt to, to rap. There was. It was just the fact that Mapimpi dived up and over him that that Marika Korobedi couldn't actually wrap his arm. I I think it's I know it's controversial and a lot of people disagree. There's been a lot of videos, uh, various things on on YouTube, some shorts here and there, and social media, and people saying, "Oh, there's no way that that's an arm," but it's a, it's an arm. Sorry, it's an arm. Squidge. No, it's an arm. Squidge. Squidge did put that guy in his place and showed him the arm quite. Quite blatant. Said, show me an arm, and Squidge just puts a screenshot there with the arm <laughs> wrapping around. So look, it's, it's I agree. Yeah, and it was good from the Wallabies. And our inability to finish is astounding at the moment. We had 13 or so visits into the Aussie 22 for very little return. It's actually unbelievable how, how much time we spent right in front of the try line and just could not convert. It was it was almost it it, I, it it is a bit of a mental challenge, a mental game that we just couldn't couldn't cross the white uh, the white line and white line fever maybe. I have a quote from Jacques Nienaba's press conference today where he released the Bach team, and I wanted to see if you think this is an accurate explanation or not. Zoning All in right. on the match itself, we had a thorough review of our performance against Australia last week, and the most disappointing aspect is that we were dominant in several areas of the game. But struggled to show oh. that on the scoreboard. So he's saying exactly what uh, what Ian Foster said after the Mbombela game. Yeah, we 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 were happy with our performance in a lot of areas, but the one that matters, not so much. You guys just need to listen to Nas Boerta. The team with the most points at the end of the day always wins. <laughs> right. So Nas Boerta has been saying this for many years, and we've all been joking. It's like, oh, yeah, typical Nas. This typical Nas. Nas actually doesn't say anything, but it's the damn truth. We should be playing winning rugby. We should be. Kicking and we should be kicking our Nick Mallard actually said it right. There's no problem going for a drop goal, or there's no problem kicking for goal with a penalty, uh, as long as you get it. If you don't get it, you failed at your job. 
and you need to and questions need to be asked why make sure you score the points and we'll let you slip up here and there but if it's if it's like like this past weekend where there was just one failure after the other uh, that's very disappointing to see. Yeah, I I honestly can't pinpoint a single area of the box we were dominant in. Scrums, we weren't doing well. Lineouts, we weren't doing well. Our box kicking was horrendous. I mean... No, we did. We had more possession and territory. Okay, there we go. That's what we dominated. I believe so. I believe that's what I saw, yeah. No, yeah. It, was, it, was, it was a bit of a shit show, right? So a bit of a dampener, right? So how do you, how do you kind of bounce back from that... I don't know so much. I think we'll talk about it in the match day 23 because I'm very excited. But we'll, we'll leave that for later. And what did you make of the whole Nick White, uh, Faf de Klerk situation, hey? I know that was weak. I, uh, I was a little bit bored today um, or this morning. Over a cup of coffee, I decided to watch, uh, go into YouTube, watch a couple of videos. I haven't, couldn't bring myself to watching more rugby videos and rugby analysis because uh, I was in a bit of a bad mood. And I just watched all this top 10 <laughs> failed, I don't know, reactions, uh, failed injuries in soccer with all these soccer players just rolling. And I just I just thought about Nick White the right the whole way through. This is a 16-minute video basically watching what makes soccer so terrible or football, right? And I just felt that 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 little bit of shit housery by that Nick White scrum off bastard. That's <laughs> that was just unacceptable. We didn't need that in the game. Yeah, I think Will Genia actually speaking out and saying the ref should have taken control of that situation. For clarity, for the people that doubted, Faftaklerk was actually doing something legal, trying to hit the ball. It became illegal when he hit the face. But the issue at play here is the acting by Nick White because he looked like he'd just been hit by Bucky Spurter. A little bit of a silly one from him. I hear he has a soccer contract on the cards, if you believe what social media is saying. Manchester United keen to sign him. I have a question though. I'd like to maybe maybe put that to you. I don't believe that what Fuff did was in any way legal anywhere. You can't actually hit the ball out of the scrum off's hands. If he hit it back to his side, it would have been perfectly fine. Okay, but if you if you if you go and, and zoom in on that, where where is he gonna hit it backwards? He's gonna hit it backwards into the scrum. Yeah, but then that's fine as long as it's backwards. <laughs> no, that you know, Faf didn't use his brain there. I know he's, I know scrumovs are known to be shit stirrers and and to get into the my the head of the opposition. And maybe that's what Nick White did, and maybe he was successful. But look, it, I definitely felt that that was poor. And he he does he he deserves to apologize to rugby fans around the world because when Brian Abana fell over many years ago and pretended to have been there, uh, you know, when he did his soccer role after. Not really being injured, he apologized. That's when he came out and apologized. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so now Nick, Nick White also. needs to do the same. Maybe he just needs time to recover first, though. He might have a broken jaw. It looked serious. A broken mustache. Just out of interest, sake, what did you make of Dweber and Dwayne's second second appearances? So you and I have actually spoken about this. I suppose it's we we spoke about Dwayne, right? I felt that Dwayne didn't have the worst game. Um, with you, you disagreed with me there, so I know what's coming here. But I felt that Dwayne had a had a had a better game, right? Uh, in in that one, um, I think he made a couple of crucial steals at the right time. Felt that his performance was above average. Let me put it that way. It wasn't exceptional, but it was above average. Dweba, on the other hand, has let me down a little bit. You know, he was he showed the serious promise uh, when the British and Irish Lions came around, and he was playing for the A team, and he showed some serious promise. And I really thought, you know, we've got three hookers now. We've got Dweba, we've got Bongia, we've got Marks now, which are three absolute units, and you know, nothing's going to change that. And I just felt that Dweba kind of squandered his 
opportunity to cement himself as hooker number three slash two, you know, and and I don't yeah. think he he performed as well as he should have. No, I think you said it there. He's he's not come through like we expected him to. And, you know, soft skills like throwing in and a line-out is something that a player should be nailing down by themselves. I think also worth mentioning, he still got less than 30 minutes this week as well because he went off for 10 minutes for that cut. Not, yeah, enough, not yeah. enough from him as a player. And I think, you know, the All Blacks game probably dented his confidence seriously. On the Dwayne front, yes, improved performance. A player like Dwayne's always going to improve. I think my reservations are still about why that's being done in the box. We know what we have in Dwayne. He should be doing a full preseason with Ulster, getting him primed to peak next year at the World Cup again for one last time. Mm. He shouldn't be trudging it out in Australia. It's just not necessary. You know, we saw what we saw on the field this week. Unfortunately, I called it correctly on Superbrew. I'm not happy about, but also happy about because I'm not at the bottom of the log like you, Ronnie. Talking about the other guys, you know, I, I, no, I, we're not moving on from this right now. You've given me a lot of crap over the years for various calls that I've made in Super Brew, and, and I've made some very difficult choices over the years. I've often gone with my head instead of my heart, and uh, not always backed my team. I've often gone against the Sharks, and you've given me a lot of crap about that. And uh, just for everyone out there, Nick called the Wallabies win. And the moment the Wallabies beat us on the 80th minute, he started on the WhatsApp group. And he just, he took everyone's crappy mood and made it so much worse. You know, and Nick, and I have to say this to you right now, there's a place for, for people like you. <laughs> it's called Australia. So please, my friend, I'm going to help you get your visa, whatever you need. But please leave this country now. We don't need you here. Thanks, Ronald. I think you would miss me though. But, you know, it's it's just worth pointing out, like Barney Stinson, you also have many my one rule so i backed your one rule and had to ignore the other i was in doubt and i backed the home team i don't know what to say i don't know what to say you're you're just a terrible person (laughs) well ronnie it's okay i can't really hear you from so high up on the log anyway but then looking over to los pumas beating the all blacks in new zealand for the first time 25 18 yeah, I actually got this one wrong because I thought I thought uh, the last their last win over the All Blacks was also uh, played in New Zealand, but that wasn't the case. I was in Australia, so that was neutral territory. But you're right, Los Pumas went over to Christchurch to what was that stadium called? The Orange thing, Orange uh, Stadium, Orange Theory Stadium. It's actually quite a terrible stadium, I believe, but uh, that's that's a different discussion. But look, Pumas they played with a hell of a load of passion. I, I mentioned earlier that I didn't quite watch the whole game. But I did on Sunday go in and watch watch the whole thing because I needed to see how the Pumas pulled that one off. And honestly, just the amount of passion that they rocked up with was incredible. And, and you know, they wanted to win more. And a team that wants to win more at the end of the day, they get more points. Yeah, unbelievable performance from the, the Pumas. Their tackling masterclass was unreal. 200 attempted tackles, completing 192 of them. They missed eight tackles in that game only from 200 attempts. The All Blacks only tr- only made or attempted 92 tackles, completing 85. So more than double the tackles from the Pumas. And I think that says it all. One try, but they... Tackles win matches. Pinned down. My, my number one rule is that tackles win matches. Is that your new number one rule, hey? 
Uh, there's only one number one rule: tackles <laughs> win matches. But you, look, and let's and let's just let's just stop, pause for a moment there. Two hundred attempts, one hundred and ninety-two successful tackles. Unbelievable! Uh, those guys must be hurting. They must. I don't be know hurting, who's hurting but... more. Would the All Blacks be hurting more because they took one hundred and ninety-two tackles, or would the Argent- Argentinians, Argentines, Argentinians, would they would be the ones that are hurting more for making one hundred and ninety-two tackles? Yeah, I think pain on both sides, hey, because it's a lot of tackles to take, but it's also a lot to make. And I know back in the day when we played, defense practice was always extremely exhausting. So just to talk about the players there, I mean, Marcus Kremer made 26 tackles himself. That's an incredible amount of tackles. Montoya got 18. Thomas Lavanini, worth a special mention here, made 17 tackles and did not get a yellow card. Yeah, then, yes, that's unbelievable. That that he deserves man of the match performance just for that, that right that. There. And then Orlando completing 16 tackles. So forwards very high up there, hey, and, and their tackle completion rate was un- unbelievable. He almost inserted another word there, I, I believe, but I agree with you. Unf believable. No, absolutely. Well done to Argentina. What 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 really can we say about that? What was their strategy going in? Their strategy was believing that they were going to win wanting it more and then playing with absolute fire so you know if if by any chance there's an argentine supporter that's that listens to us uh waffle on here you oaks are bloody legends honestly you oaks are bloody legends absolute legends and also special mention i think to their wing who was actually kicking for them Buffeli, he got 20 points yeah i mean what a performance he kept them in the game he kept yeah. them in the game. That's absolutely what was he was kicking. His, his, his boot kept them in the game and, and kept that belief going. And ultimately, the Argentina just snatched the opportunities in the end. And that's, they won. They won. Yeah. And they didn't, there was nothing controversial about it, I believe. Uh, Pumas beat them outright because they were a better team of the day. No, that's true. And I mean, now you're looking at the All Blacks. They, for the first time in their history, suffered three successive losses at home. That's two to Ireland and now one to Los Pumas. Shocking, really. And I mean, there's six losses in their last eight games. So the All Blacks are not in a good space at the moment with what they, they're putting together on the field. Six losses from eight games is unheard of, right? So that's that that takes us back to the dark days of Springbok rugby. You know, the Alistair Kutsia years, the, the sort of end of Annika Mayer's reign and, and in comes Alistair Kutsia. This is sort of stats that we were looking at when we dropped down to seventh. On, in, in the world rankings that's very very shameful there's not a lot of happiness that comes with these two games so they beat Ireland whoop-de-doo uh, and they beat us whoop-de-doo otherwise it's been hell for them yeah they are definitely not achieving what's come to expect of the All Blacks and I think their brand is suffering quite badly from it you know was their win at Ellis Park really enough to justify keeping Ian Foster on I, I believe so you know, sometimes you make a decision and it works out, so, and and it, and sometimes it doesn't work out, right? So the fact is, you have to make a decision and you have to stick by it. I believe the decision that they made, where they came out right and said, "Look, Foster is staying to the end of the next World Cup." That's exactly 
the sort of uh, commitment you need from your your top level management right down to your coaches and then onto the team. You need that uh, consistency. You need to be backing your coach no matter who he is, even if it is the worst coach that you believe uh, has been there. A decision was made and they're sticking to it. It just so happens that they lost the game after making it an outright decision like that. But you know what? It's time to knuckle down. It's time to white knuckle it and see if you can actually get through the other end. Because I believe the All Blacks are better than what they are right now. I believe they're going to come back because, you know, we've seen it. You know, these guys have been dominant for many years. They set the bar for many, many years. They were top shelf. And I believe, I truly, truly believe that they're going to be there again. No, I agree with you. I think we said it last week as well. You know, they've taken the decision now, that sort of consistency and ability to look forward at least a year with some security will help the All Blacks. And I think it's not a decision that can can be re-looked at now. It would be unwise. But I did just want to give a bit of a moment here to Michael Checker because I enjoyed his banter this weekend. I don't know if you picked up on it or not, but he got out there on the mic and he was talking about how great of a coach uh, Razor is because of what a well-rounded player Pablo Matera returned as. And, you know, taking a bit of a, a dig at Foster because Foster complained about the tactics employed by Argentina. Checker was like, well you guys are the best at doing those tactics. <laughs> Just sort of left it at that. So, but yeah, shout out to Czechs. What a win for the the Pumas. And, you know, they're backing up the win they got in Australia two years ago. So well done to so, them. I really hope they can get another one. Yeah, I do also just want to take this opportunity before we move on to the next topic, right, uh, to say that I often make fun of you on the WhatsApp group. And I say that uh, if you were a coach, you'd be Michael Checker. Uh, but after their performance with the All Blacks this past weekend, um, I don't know. I'm gonna have to find <laughs> a, find another coach to to compare you to. Yeah, he did me proud. He did me very proud. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if Los Pumas can back that up next weekend or this coming weekend. I think, it, like you said, it's going to drain them a lot those tackles. But I I believe that they can pull it together. I think they're highly motivated. Back to back wins. Back to back wins in New Zealand. Can you imagine oh. the scenes? We're going to move on to Super Brew in a moment. We're going to ask you, I'm going to ask you for your calls because uh, we've got some talking to do about that. Yeah, well, saying that, why don't we dive right into Super Brew? Right, so while we're on the topic, right, so yeah. firstly, let's, let's get a couple of things out of the way here, right, uh, uh, Nicholas? Uh, you, in last week's podcast, made two bold statements. Um, you've obviously, you obviously backed the Wallabies, which I think was atrocious. You also backed the Pumas to beat the All Blacks. Yes, and that's on social media couple of people actually gave you a lot of stick for that. Asking uh, what that kind of stick drinking. I was smoking. <laughs> yeah, right. So so you actually got two for two, which is incredibly impressive. Um, and I think maybe maybe we can call you, uh, I don't know, Michael Checker, right? So well done on that. I, I do think that you didn't stick to your guns, though, which is which is not admirable. You You changed your mind last minute. Yeah, unfortunately. And that's my actually only rule is... Never change your picks. Every time I've done it, it has screwed me over. I did it at Loftus when I looked around that stadium sold out before Wales. I was like, ah, we're going to pump them up my pick past 20 points. Don't change your picks, guys. You make it without emotion. Don't do it on the day. It's a bad idea. And yeah, unfortunately, yeah, I did but... change to the All Blacks, but my picks on the podcast were Argentina and South Africa, or the Wallabies. So... Should do should we go through social media and find some of those people that gave you stick for that and, and say what now? <laughs> yeah, there was two guys in particular that gave me a bit of shit on, on Facebook. But it is, it turned out a little bit funny if you ask me, because both picks were correct. 
<laughs> right. Okay. So, so there we go on to the super brew pool that we've got, that we've got uh, running here. Um, so, you know, you, for some reason, like to go first, second, third, and uh, me, who's, who's obviously a lot smarter than you, I like to go third place, uh, then second place, and then uh, end off with the winner at the end there. So, all right. So in third place, we've got uh, uh, Morne Mostert, a.k.a. Morne, who is on five points. In second place, we've got Ruba, Ruan uh, Labuskagni, or as Australians would like to call him, Labusché, uh, a.k.a. Ruan, who's also on five points. And then we've got uh, Chris Baker, a.k.a. Chris, uh, who's on five and a half points. So Chris seems to be one of those guys that uh, likes to 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 pick uh, wildly incorrect calls that seem to seem to get him the win, and, and that's what's brought him to the top there. So he's like you, makes some ridiculous statements, but they seem to pay off this past weekend. So Chris in first, Ruan second, and Mornay in third. Uh, so well done to you, Oaks. It's, it's quite a big pool. There's over a thousand people involved, Jen. It's very competitive, um, and I am beating uh, Nick Azor, which is fantastic. Yeah, that, that's that's the joke of the day, hey Ronnie. But I think, tell me, for me and the listeners, you seem so calm there. You know, have you ever worked in the UFC or the boxing as like an announcer for the boxer before they come into the ring? You could be quite good at that. I don't know if you're making fun of me right now or complimenting <laughs> me. Um... Both. Something can be more than Do... two things. Jacques Nienaber needs to learn that too. <laughs> okay, all right. I don't know what to say. Thank you. Thank you. I sound like an announcer right now. Exactly. It's okay, Ronnie. And then the rugby championship log. This is something I don't think either of us wants to have a look at, but it's something we're going to have to do because who would have believed today? South Africa are sitting fourth on the log with only four points. New Zealand just above them in third on five points, having gotten a bonus point. And then Argentina in first place with nine and Australia also with nine in second place. Not looking good for South Africa, nor for New Zealand. And the Pumas are the team to beat, eh? Yeah, but the permutation is still allowed. We can we can pull this one out of the hat. Um, and, you know, it's still anyone's anyone's tournament. Although, although with that said, there's a, there's a part of me, that the, it's part of my heart that, you know, I love, I love Los Pumas. I heard something about the fact that uh, when the Pumas toured South Africa many, many years ago, uh, you know, I'm talking 60, 70 years ago when one of their first tours, they came over here and we incorrectly called their Jaguar a Puma. And that's how they got stuck with the name Pumas. So I'm not sure how true that is, but if it is, that's uh, pretty cool, I suppose. Uh, but there is a part of my heart that that really wouldn't mind the uh, Los Pumas uh, winning the championship. Yeah, I also, I think they're playing well and it would be just reward for them after the hard work they've put in to come to where they are now. You know, this was the whole point of getting them involved in this competition in the first place. They get another another win against New Zealand. It's going to make interesting. Or are we going to see in the rugby championship, each team wins one game against each other? That would make for an interesting tournament too. <laughs> but that, that really would make it interesting. And isn't that what we all want? What if we have a four-way draw? It comes down to uh, points difference to decide the winner. That that would be something. That really would be a. Eh? And then, but Ronnie... let's move on to the next thing because I would like to circle back to this one in a moment. So uh, we'll leave that for my two cents, please. Okay, we'll leave that for your two cents. So then, let's take a look at the Bok team. A lot of changes this week. I predicted a team yesterday. Many people sort of agreeing with what I'd said, and even now, still many surprises I hadn't predicted in this team at all. What do you make of it, eh, Ronald? Should we go through it 
like we normally do from the start? Yeah, right. So you can kick off right. Well, we'll start with the front rows. Stephen Kitchoff, Malcolm Marks and Franz Malherber. What do you have to say there? Yeah, I think in all honesty, that's our strongest front row at the moment. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy I, to I would agree that. with you. And, and, and I think a lot of people are getting what they've been wishing for. Malcolm Marks, a start by him. Uh, a lot of people agree that he is our best hooker. Yeah, uh, change of strategy, perhaps by the box, box, co- box coaches, um, by starting him. But uh, it's good to see that on the bench for at least uh, uh, Malcolm Marks, we've got Dion Ferry. So yeah, hopefully little... his black eyes have recovered. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'm I'm happy with the front row. Then again, at lock, the same pairing we see Eben Etzebeth, Lutiaka. I thought Eben looked like he needed a little bit of rest. Uh, but he's being played out here. Maybe he'll get the chance to rest against Argentina. And then they'll give guys like Ruan Okia and Marvin Ori a bit more game time. Because uh, Damien, not Damien, Eben has played every minute for the box this this year so far. Because he asked to play the Bloemfontein game so that Cape Town would be his 100th that his dad could attend it. And that's when most of the other players got a bit of a rest. Right. And I think the question was posed to Eben in one of last week's, I think I've mentioned it in last week's podcast, uh, but one of the previous press conferences it was posted him and he said he feels fresh he's ready to go so you know he wants to play uh but i do agree with you it's not always what the player wants maybe the greater good is to actually raise someone like this now give him an opportunity to put his feet up or put his knees up yeah just for a little bit especially because i mean he's a hundred cap springbok you know what you have in Eben. the world knows what we have in Eben. give the other guys a bit of a chance let Eben get a bit of rest and come out firing for the Ireland and France games later in the year. And then Luis Sia Khaleesi captaining the side, Franco Mostert at seven and Jasper Visa at eight. So I know you've got something to say here, but uh, I'll just be short. I'll be quick and quick and short. I like Franco anywhere on the field. I'd put him on at fly half if we needed him because I just I find him to be an animal and his work rate is exceptional. And then I'm, I'm glad to see Jasper Visa getting a, uh, another start because we need to start building him as our, as our go-to eight or, you know, if at least testing him to see if other players like Kevin Ruiz need to take over. But uh, I'm happy with, with the loose trio, but uh, I know you've got something to say. Yeah, well, first Jasper Visa, I've criticised him in the past, but I really feel like he's been robbed of two test starts, the, the last All Blacks game and this game. So I'm very happy to see that he's back there at eight. He is our form eight at the moment. And then Franco Mostert, I agree. Absolute animal of a player. I absolutely love him as a player, but I do not rate him as a seven. However, I understand why he's there because it's our line-out option. Quacha should have started. Quacha deserves to start after the performance he's put in this year, not just last test. But Franco Mostert is the line-out option. And when Dwayne comes on with Quacha, Dwayne will become the line-out option. So I, I understand the thinking there from the Bok team, at least. So then we go into our our halfbacks. We've got Jaden Hendrickser and Damien Philipser. Yeah, I think Hendrickser, we can put aside. Everyone sort of expected that. He's he's had the most games this year. Damien Philipser at 10 is a bit of a thing we should talk about because I'm actually quite excited by it. I'm very excited. I said it on the WhatsApp group. I, I really wanted Damien Philipser to get a run on there. I didn't actually realize that we lost both our tens that we that both uh, uh, Elton Yankees and Andre Pollard, you know, picked up some sort of injury or niggle in the last in the last game. I'm not sure what came out there, but apparently we lost both of them, and uh, this will just open the door for Damien Villains to play ten. He's played there already this season, right? Yeah, he he came in for the second half of the Loftus Test versus Wales, 
But I think this also shows Jacques and Rossi up a little bit because this shows that there's no real succession planning for that 10 jersey. You know, there's no one backing Damien up on the bench now. Both fly halves that we've only relied on in one game have gone out injured. What if that's at the World Cup right, next so, year? So don't you think that Damien Willemse at 10 is a succession plan? Don't you think in the back of their minds they always felt that he could actually become our backup 10? It's definitely possible, Ronnie, but I, I just feel like it's it's poor succession planning. I feel like Amani Libok should be there. This might have been a test that you give Damien at 12, actually. So so you were, you would play a more traditional 10 there, somebody who's who's who is a 10, who is a fly, who who, who plies his, his domestic uh, rugby at 10 and and move him into the Springbok setup at 10. You know, I must admit, we haven't seen a lot of Damien at 10 on the test stage. So I'm quite keen to see how he's going to to fare with a little bit less time on the ball because I've really supported him this season. He's having a stellar season for the box. And I'd like to see, mm. maybe maybe he proves me wrong and he does very well with that less space. But if not, I, I do feel like he's a bigger asset to the box in the wider attacking channels. Let's, let's wait and see what happens this weekend, though. So shall we move on? Uh, I think part and parcel of Damien Willems are playing 10. Uh, goes hand in hand with Philly Larue coming back onto the field at 15. Right, we've seen a lot of interchanging between 10 and 15, and the guys switching it up. Damien Philimsa and and Vili did do that earlier earlier in the season. So, uh, is that why Vili made it into the starting lineup? Yeah, well, I think Vili's actually had some good performances for the box when he has come on off the bench this season. I thought Vili would come on at the wing, considering the the issues we've got out wide with depth at the moment. But yeah, I think Vili, great player to have. Maybe he can get some something moving in that back line again, a bit of attack. You know, he has been such a vital cog in that aspect of our game. I haven't got much to say there. No, I'm, I'm, I I believe in Vili again, so I'm glad he's there. But uh, going on to our wings, we've got Makazola Mapimpi and then Kanan Moody on right wing. So yeah. uh, we've just brought in another fullback. Is right. So he's a fullback, right, uh, playing on wing again. I think this is what is our seventh choice wing or I don't know maybe he's, he's 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 not as bad as a seventh choice but I actually quite like Kenan Moody from what I've seen yeah I think it's going to be exciting to see him take to the field I think it's an incredible opportunity for him he managed to usurp Apelele Fassi in the squad so let's see what he's got let's see if he can cut it I think he's going to have a very busy day dealing with Corobetti but you sure. know we've spoken about the ability of selecting a fullback on the wing and maybe that positional play will give him, or positional play will give him a bit of an advantage defensively. We'll just have to wait and see there. Yeah, I think Valu is also a good addition to have to sort of guide him through his first test. Right, and I think you said it in the previous podcast, we have so many fullbacks that can assist. You know, we play our fullbacks at wing as well, so that just adds to that sort of defensive backup plan uh, that the Springboks might have. You know, we could we could drop some of our wingers back who understand how a fullback needs to be positioned and 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 what they need to do. So, yeah, look, I'm very excited. I'm actually very happy with Makazolo and and Kanan Moody right there. So, uh, let's see what that has to offer. So then you, uh, finally, we've got. Uh, so you mentioned there defensively, and I think that's actually something that's worrying me a bit about this game because we're about to delve into the centers, and you see very scaringly. Lucanio Am is not at 13 for this test. It's Damien Dialende and Jesse Creel. And I actually can't remember a test other than the Bloemfontein game when Lucanio Am was not there running our defense. You're absolutely right. So we've got Damien Willemsen and Jesse Creel as our center pairing. 
I, we've often said that uh, they play Jesse Creel out of position and that's not good for his game and that's not good for uh, for the Springbok game as a whole. But Jesse Creel did play a lot of center back in the day. So you don't agree with putting him there right now. You you would rather you'd rather have someone like a Andre Esterhazen running at 12 with Lucanio Am on his outside. For sure. Or maybe even an interesting combination for this week would have been Esterhazen and Willemse in the centers. I hear what you're saying there, but I think uh, logistically speaking, you can't actually put Willemse at 12 this coming weekend because we just simply don't have a 10 that could fill that gap. I mean, the no, only 10 that sure. we have with us over in Australia that we could possibly play there, maybe uh, maybe Vili LaRue or, or, uh, or Franz Stein. <laughs> oh, well, I actually wonder if Franz Stein will come off the bench this week and cover at 10, but I'm just worried a little bit as well the disconnect defensively between Kane and Moody and Jesse Creel. That's a potential area for, for the Aussies to exploit as well. But then to dive over to the bench, Ronnie, let's just take a quick squiz at what's going on there. Dion Ferry included on the bench as cover at hooker, hey? I didn't think he would be covering hooker that. on this tour, so I'm quite surprised. I'm excited for Dion Ferry. I think uh, he's he's that typical hooker, right? So I know he's been playing, he's been playing his trade at loose forward, but um, he just goes... He's, He's just a hard man, and I think he's he comes with a lot of experience, right? So this is his opportunity to run out for the spring box and to to maybe uh, secure himself a position uh, to to sort of win a gold medal next year, right? Yeah, it would be incredible, and I'm actually keen to see what he's got because I mean, as far as we're aware, he does not have a black eye heading into this weekend. So let's see how that one goes. But then you've got Oxenchair, Trevin, Yokane, Kwaka Smith, and Dwayne Vermeulen as cover on the bench. This will be Dwayne Vermeulen's first ever test on the bench. 63 tests, 63 starts. Yeah, no, I saw that stat roll in on the WhatsApp group while we were busy recording here. And it took me a little bit uh, by surprise. I had, I had no idea that he had started every single one of his games. Yeah, very... Very, very solid fixture in that Bok team, hey? Always in the starting side. I think it's good that he's coming off the bench. It's what I would have done for the previous two tests. I think the only surprise for me there is maybe Quacha still on the bench, but we did explain why Franku Mostert's there earlier. And then the back line, we've got Kurbis, Rana, Franz Stein, and Warwick Gelant on the bench. You know, I don't have much to say about Franz Stein and Warwick Gelant. I think that, you know, well... They're good choices to have on the bench, but I'm really, really excited for Kubis Reinach. I think bringing him onto the field, and I hope he gets enough game time, that just adds that X factor that we spoke about earlier, that little bit of uncertainty for the for the, uh, for the the opposition. Because Kubis likes his snipe around the edges. Kubis is quick. He He's he's dynamic, and uh, he's, he's going to look to attack. Um, and I think that's exactly what we need as a Springbok team right now. We need uh, Kubis Reinach. Um, to to add that X factor and maybe to see how him and Damien Filimsa and his uh, uh, hot stepping feet uh, are going to perform as 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 a halfback pairing. Yeah, I'm very very excited to see that. And Kubis's pace is unrivaled, so hopefully we can unleash him. Mm. Hopefully he gets at least about thirty minutes. I would be quite happy with that. And I think Franz Stein will will have an improved performance this week as well. He's too much of a legend not to. And I actually just yeah, think you really like Frontstein, but a lot of people are claiming that uh, he's a little bit old at the moment. He's a little bit slow and he's a little bit uh, lethargic and he's not quite what we need. Well, let's see. Let's give him another game. If we can give Dwayne two starts, we can certainly afford a legend like Frontstein two opportunities off the bench. 
Fair enough. Then I just think it's also something special to mention here is that the last player to debut as a teenager was Francois Stein in 2006. And we have another one here in Kanan Moody. So quite epic that France is going to be there on Moody's debut. Absolutely. So when I saw that stat the other day, I couldn't actually believe how, how young Kanan actually was. Uh, but that's exciting, right? So France Stein was this epic, epic find that we had. Uh, and he was so young and he was, he, you know, very, very quickly, he was starting for the Springboks and um, he won a, He won a World Cup under John Smith's team. And, you know, we all agree that Ron Stein should be on 150 Springbok caps. It's a real shame that we lost him over the years. But maybe, maybe we've got something with Kane and Moody. Maybe he's going to be the next 100 or the first 150 cap Springbok. Yeah, you never know. Hey, Like you say, France definitely should have been that this weekend. Will only be his 76th test. Quite, quite shocking that a player of his ability has only got that. And then, Ronnie, let's get it out the way. What are your predictions for this weekend? Let's start with the box versus Wallabies. So I feel like I went first last week. I definitely went first last week. Okay, so we're not going to settle this argument here right now. Um, okay, South Africa versus the Wallabies. You know what? Springboks are going to come back firing. Uh, they're hurt. And uh, what is it that everyone always says? You know, you don't underestimate a wounded Springbok. Uh, so we're going to win. We're going to win by four. I am going to say Australia by six. I'm going to leave this podcast right now. <laughs> and then, Ronald, the second game, Los Pumas versus the All Blacks. Right. So it's very, it's a very big ask to beat the All Blacks twice, back to back. It's a very big ask to beat them at home. Uh the Argentines came with a lot of uh, passion um, in the previous game. They they pulled it off. Well done. I just don't believe that they can do it back-to-back because many they just can't, right? The, the All Blacks have to win, and I believe the All Blacks are going to. All I'm Blacks by, by 12. I'm going for the All Blacks by 8. So those are our picks for the weekend, Ronnie. And guys, don't forget to join our Superbrew pool for the upcoming URC. It's EGDAO as the pool code. Remember, it's what dodgy men do. E-D-G-Y-T-H-O-U. Come and join us. If you want the other pool codes for the Prem and the French Top 14 and so on, check out any of our social media pages. You can find them there. And then I just actually, before we get stuck into your two cents, did anyone see... Uh CJ Stunder turning out for the Oakdale yes. old boys. <laughs> what? That should not be allowed. That should, should not, not be allowed. allowed. I, I actually was wondering whether we could actually have a little bit of a moment to talk about that on this podcast. But what he did there, we should, it should not be allowed. You should not be allowed to play for old boys when you're CJ Stunder. I played a couple of old boys games and we we're always, you know, worried the older guys are going to hurt the younger ones and, and whatnot. But let me tell you, if a CJ Stunder ran at me when I was in my... The, the prime of my varsity drinking days, I'd be dead. <laughs> I would not yeah. have made it through something like that. So I thought no. that was incredible that he played the old boys game against, you know, a bunch of dads that enjoy a good beer every day. Jeepers. I, uh, look, I'm sure he also enjoys his beer at the moment, but I was quite shocked when I saw that. I don't think that that should be allowed. I don't know how <laughs> somebody that can, so, uh, the captain of Ireland, such a successful uh, international rugby player should be allowed to play for an old boys rugby team. I thought it was out, uh, was outstanding to see. I, I just thought it was a little bit ridiculous to actually that for that to have been allowed. Yeah, no, I agree with you there, Ronald. So on that note, what do you have for us in your two cents? Okay, so we've uh, we've spoken about it a bit, and and I said uh, 
you know, some of the earlier discussions, I wanted us to pump the brakes so that I could talk about it now. Uh, but, you know, having a look at the rugby championship log, seeing Argentina at the top, seeing uh, uh, Australia in second, then the All Blacks, and then us right at the bottom, it's still anyone's, uh, it's still anyone's uh, tournament to take. Um, I think... I think world rugby is in a good space. I think uh, the All Blacks were were baying for more competition five years ago. They were saying they can't wait for the world to catch up. They can't wait for there to be more competition. Um, you know, they were winning every single game that they were playing. They were setting all sorts of records. And finally, the world rugby has caught up. Finally, we have the rugby championship, which is as competitive as it's ever been. You know, you've got the the whipping boys, Argentina, that have been the whipping boys for many years, beating the All Blacks in Christchurch on All Black home, home soil. It's amazing to see. So I think uh, this is not a rant. This is a rave. This is to say well done to World Rugby finally catching up uh, and, and producing a product that is exceptionally, exceptionally competitive and exciting to watch for us uh, everyday rugby uh, couch coaches. Yeah, I think it's 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 great to see that there's so much competition. I just wish the box were the front runners of that competition, to be honest. But yeah, you know, it's a level playing field. I think Ireland were heavily chuffed at their win in New Zealand and maybe a little bit less so now seeing that Argentina did it too. Like you say, competition's good. It makes, I think it grows the fan base as well, you know. And then to end off this episode, Saturday as always, I have some... Details on our new Springbok debutant, young Kanan Moody. So just to make you feel really old, Ronnie, Kanan, oh. Kanan is currently 19 years old. He was born in 2002. His ID starts with 02, just, just, just to put that out there. He debuted in the Curry Cup this year for the Bulls. He started his career playing Curry Cup this year, and now he's getting a Springbok cap. 1,9 meters tall, 80 kgs. He's actually pretty tall, which is a surprise. You know, last year he played for the baby box. Here he is making his debut for the big box. He came through Burland Lantbo. That was his high school. And he is the third player to debut for the spring box as a teenager. Do you know who the others are? Ron Stain, obviously. Yeah. And I have no idea who the other one would be. Chili Boy Ralapele. So no, get out of here. Yeah, Chili Boy really? also debuted for the box as a teenager. But Kanan, here's a challenge from the rugby punter to you. France Stain scored on debut as a 19-year-old. Let's see if you can do it too for the Boca this weekend. And on top of that, and I just need to remind everyone that France Stain will still remain as the youngest Springbok debutant of all time. Oh, is that just a technicality we have to just, put out there? We, right? we because Frostain is your absolute hero. Okay, all right. Yeah, so we've exactly. got a, we've got another. There's still a bar that 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 can't be that can't be set. Oh, by I just Kanan. drew the line in sure. the sand there. <laughs> but yeah, all guys. right. But it's interesting. Kanan and Frostain a debut at wing. So yeah. that's also true. There. He did debut at wing against Ireland. You're right. But yeah, lacquer guys. Thanks for tuning in with me and Ronnie. We hope to catch you guys here next weekend. Hopefully celebrating a Bach win, that would be like a hey, Ronald. Yeah, that's that I expect. I expect nothing less. Mm-hmm.